everybody. You're listening to the 22nd episode of the Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP, where we talk about baseball, drinks, and everything else under the sun. I'm DeCarlo Calloway alongside Dorian, and on today's podcast, we celebrate prominent members of Charlottesville, Virginia. We ask if you're a brave betting man. We watch bill collectors coming for FC Barcelona, and ain't no bubbles like the one I got. So, like every single episode, we want to start off by showcasing what we are drinking on this evening as we record. So, I want to throw it to my man, Dorian, so he could inform y'all about what it is that he is drinking this evening. What's up, Dorian? How are you doing today? I'm doing good, DiCarlo. I'm, I was eagerly awaiting for you to get to me so I can start drinking my delicious beer. And there you go. That's the, that was the first one. Nice. That was a good hit. Tonight, today, this morning... I'm drinking a, a, a local beer. I'm going back to the local brewery, supporting good American jobs. It's called Shower Beer. It's a Czech-style Pilsner from Champion Brewing Company in Charlottesville, Virginia, home of uh, University of Virginia, home of Thomas Jefferson, and home of uh, great apple-picking orchid, orchids. And I'm celebrating uh, because she's a wonderful human being, and it's also, we're still almost out of Black History Month, uh, wonderful ladies named Isabella Gibbons. Now, uh, Miss Gibbons, she was born into slavery around, they believe she was born in, in, she was born into slavery around 1836. And when she was a teenager around 1850, she was purchased by a University of Virginia professor of natural philosophy named William Barton Rogers. And he took her obviously to, to to live with him at UVA, and he was she was the the Roger the professor's Rogers family's cook, and they also taught her how to read. This is illegal because at the time in Virginia it was against the law to teach slaves to read and write. And I'm going to quote you a little passage from the from the law from the 19th century pre uh, pre Civil War. Every assemblage of Negroes for the purpose of instruction in reading or writing, or in the nighttime for any purpose shall be an unlawful assembly. Any justice may issue his warrant to any office or other person requiring him to enter any place where such assemblage may be and seize any Negro therein. And he or any other justice may order such Negro to be punished with stripes, end quote. That basically let, basically let any white man go in and take a, a, a black man or a black woman and just whip them. That's what it means. Uh, anyways, moving on from that. So in the early 1850s, when she, when uh, Isabella was living on the on UVA camp on the UVA campus, she married uh, another uh, enslaved laborer named William D. Gibbons, who was also working for another family at UVA, and they ended up having uh, three children before emancipation in 1863. And during the Civil War, she was put to work as a nurse in a Confederate military hospital that was actually set up on the campus of the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia. After the, after the war, the Civil War, uh, around 1867, she became a teacher's aide and then a full-time teacher at the New England Freedmen's Aid Society's Charlottesville Normal School. It was set up by a bunch of Northerners who came down to the South to try to help during reconstruction. And she taught there for about 15 years. And her husband went on to do wonderful things as well. These were both prominent members of Charlottesville, of Charlottesville African-American society. society. He was a minister at the First Baptist, First Baptist Church, which is the oldest black church in Charlottesville. And in 1868, he, they moved up to Washington, DC, where uh, Mr., um, I'm sorry, Mr. Gibson, Gibbons, 
was a pastor at the Zion Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. And uh, just to leave you a little tidbit of what she went through as a young woman, pre-Civil War, she actually sent a letter to the Freedmen's Record, a, a, a journal, a newspaper in 1867, and, and talking about the, the horrors of slavery before the Civil War, quote, can we forget the crack of the whip, the cowhide, the whipping post, the auction block, the handcuffs, the spaniels, the iron collar, the Negro trader tr tearing the young child from its mother's breast as a whelp from the lioness? Have we forgotten those horrible cruel cruelties? Hundreds of our race killed. No, we have not, nor ever will, end quote. That passage I just read to you is actually engraved in a stone in Charlottesville, Virginia. So cheers to the heart and the mind and just the, the, the spirit of people who would not be broken. And in their honor, I'm not just raising a glass of, of this beer from Charlottesville, Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, but in 2015, what, six years ago, the University of Virginia named a brand new first year student resident halls, Gibbons House, in honor of Isabella and William. So cheers to them and uh, happy last few days of uh, Black History Month. What are you gonna have today, Carlo? Well, thank you for sharing that. And one thing I definitely want to point out is that even though within, you know, our, our society, our country, we give a month for Black history, but just don't think that you can, you only need to share it during the month of February. Black history is American history, which should be uh, studied, learned, and understood because there is a lot of uh, good stories and a lot of nice uh, information. And you'd be surprised at, you know, how much this country has we wouldn't be surprised, honestly. It's, you know, African-Americans help make America what it is today. And uh, we definitely salute you, Isabella and, uh, and William, for all the good that you did. And all those stories, good and bad, have to be told. We can't just, all the time. We all can't the just time. share the, the good ones. Yeah, unfortunately, too many people like to, to you know, sweep things under the rug because it, it makes them feel uncomfortable. But unfortunately... You know, being an African-American male myself, you know, I'm, I've been living uncomfortably for all my damn life. So I really, you know, I can't empathize with that feeling of, oh, well, it makes me uncomfortable. Well, you know what? That's comfort and struggle and, and you know, all that stuff that builds character and it helps people grow. So, but anyway, um, I am drinking Lord Nelson Cylon Assam Black Tea. It's, uh, you know, I, I love... Assam black tea, which I find is really difficult to get in the U.S., you know, surprisingly. You'll find a lot of black teas, but Assam is always difficult. And um, I got this actually from Germany. Um, and I first was exposed to Assam tea back in England. I had some friends who, you know, Europeans drink tea like we'd probably drink, I don't know, like Budweiser or something. And, uh, you know, I, I really just found it very delightful. And, you know, even though we've had more, like a relatively mild day, you know, it, it's a nice way to just sit back, enjoy the conversation and uh, continue to progress with what it is that we're doing. So I'm sitting back and sipping on this tea right now and looking forward to continuing uh, you know, conversing a little bit more. Well, we should also remind our listeners that Celion is the old British Empire name for Sri Lanka, which is the small island just south of India in the Indian Ocean. Mm -hmm. well, which unfortunately still deals with a lot of political strife because of colonialism, but that's another story. 
Yes, poor Sri Lanka, beautiful place. I haven't been there, but I hear it's absolutely gorgeous. And uh, so cheers to Selion, cheers to Sri Lanka, and cheers to Lord Nelson, who uh, gave his life defending the British Empire against uh, the Poles. Well, no, it was, it was, it was no, it was Trafalgar. It was Nelson. Oh, yeah. you're right. It was the, it was the war in Trafalgar, like um, yeah. that was Trafalgar he died, and that I'm, was against the Spanish. Uh, no, it was a combined fleet of the French and the Spanish because yeah. uh, Napoleon had put his brother on the throne in Madrid. But uh, I got my British, I got my British history wrong, which I rarely do. But you're absolutely right; I was wrong. It was Trafalgar. And uh, but, anyways, let's move on because you don't have to give your right arm your life or be subjugated subjugated to empire to enjoy drink, and especially when you do it with us. Please send us a picture of what you like to drink while you listen to the podcast while you're working in the daytime what have you take a picture send it to a twitter tour twitter handle at hbp4040 and remember to use the hashtag hbp drink to carlo i just mentioned that things are getting nicer the weather is getting better and what that means for us little podcast called hipster baseball podcast is that it's spring training the teams are already together uh the games have already by the time you listen to this the games have already begun on the 28th of february spring training game. So this is very exciting because we just might have a full season of baseball uh, this year, knock on wood. So the teams are in their traditional spring training sites of the state of Arizona for the West, for the teams that are in the Western part of the country and Florida for the teams that are in the Eastern part of the country. So far, Major League Baseball thinks their plan is to have a limited amount of tickets available to the public to go watch the spring training games and there's going to be in the, in the stadiums. There's going to be so, there's going to be social distancing. Uh, you have to wear a mask, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's exciting. What's what's also exciting is that baseball elicits controversy. It elicits passion amongst fans, and some of the most passionate. I'm I'm laughing because I'm one of them. Some of the most passionate fans are the fans of the Atlanta Braves. And every year, just like in any sport, there's always projections. Oh, this hockey team is going to do this. This you know, football team is going to win that. And in baseball, it's no different. So they, you have all these different outlets who do projections of this is how we believe the teams are going to do and this is who we think are, have the better odds to win. So there's one projection called PACOTA, which stands for Player Empirical Comparisons and Optimal Test Algorithm. Very boring, very long, PACOTA. And so Pocota said that the Braves this year, they're only going to win 82 games, which is, if you're not that big of a baseball fan, that basically means you're an average team. Mind you, the Braves have won the division three consecutive years, and they were one win away from going to the World Series last year. They have some of the best players in baseball. They have the Venezuelan's youngster superstar, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. They have the current reigning most valuable player, Freddie Freeman. They have some of the, they have three of the absolute best young pitchers. Two of them have already received awards to, as, as best pitchers in the league. So all of this, and Pakota still says, no, you're only, you're going to be an average team and you're going to finish 10 games behind the new, the new New York Mets. Mm-hmm. Braves Twitter sphere, Braves podcasts, Braves blogs online were in an absolute outrage. You could go and look Type into your internet machine, Braves, Pakoda, and you will find endless amounts of articles. You can find endless amount of podcasts dedicated to this. Twitter, 
It was hilarious because Braves fans are genuinely insane. And the Braves, and I've said this in some of our first episodes that the Braves are one of the few major league baseball teams that actually have a net nationwide following in no particular order. There's really only five or six of them, Atlanta Braves, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, Chicago Cubs, LA Dodgers, maybe St. Louis Cardinals. That's it. it. That's it. And this received so much heat. Pakoda received so much heat that the guy that runs it, he's uh, he's a really good writer. His name's um, Mike Petriello. He had to write an article addressing all of this outrage on MLB.com titled, This is Why Projections Are Low on Braves. And he published it back on the 12th of February. <laughs> He, it was so long. I mean, if you have, if you want to read this while you're having your coffee or tea in the morning, do it. But it is not a quick read. It was, and that made me laugh even more. Like this was so much heat that he, that him and his boys were getting that he wrote this long ass article. Basically, he's saying that, yeah, they're kind of right because it kind of feels like this team is probably six to eight wins better. But, um, you know, what, what are we going to do? You're right, but we're not going to just change it because you're right. It was a uh, it was such a useless article, and then uh, I, I it was uh, my well, last point about this. Go on, tell. Well, me. I was gonna I was gonna ask. I mean, I mean, I'm not a Braves fan, but I, I would say you know they're a good team. Yeah, but at the same time, I think measuring the success of last season is kind of foolhardy, considering all of the hiccups that were taking place and the fact that the season was so abbreviated to really use that as a barometer as to whether or not, you know, this this team will be as successful, Uh, you know, especially with such a young team. And then you've had, this is an experienced, this is an experienced team that has, has had, had loads of success over the past three years. And like I said, they have some of the best talent, this guy, this, not this guy, Pakoda says that they're going to be worse than New York Mets, worse than the Washington nationals, worse than the Miami Marlins. I, and they're not even going to make the playoffs. And so that this is why there was so much content uh, focused on this. And let me, I'm going to, I'm going to close off with this. So Pakoda believes that, that, that the Braves are just an average team. Who would be more expert at this uh, odds making than major league statisticians? Las Vegas. Are you a brave betting man? Because I said, okay. I want to go to Las Vegas once this COVID is over. Not because I think it's a great city, because I want to go, you know, maybe put some funny money down for uh, for some of this. Because I'm like, if someone, if a Las Vegas odds maker gives me the exact 82 wins, I'm going to start borrowing money to put down on the Braves to win over 82 games. But you know what? I couldn't find it. I saw two different odds makers for Las Vegas. None of them has them at 82 games. One of them has has them winning uh, 92 games, and the other odds maker in Las Vegas has the Braves winning 90, 92 games, and the other one has 91 games. Nobody's even close to what Pakoda is doing. You know why? Because Las Vegas isn't in the business of losing money. They're, they're not stupid enough to say, no, that Braves team, they're a bunch of average, average guys. They're going to be okay. Las Vegas is not in the business of losing money. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with what Vegas's odds are that this team's going to win 91 games. And that's what it really feels like. So uh, I really yeah. wish if anyone could find me a Las Vegas odds maker that has them projected 82 wins, I am going to bet loads of money tomorrow. I promise you. 
Well, I, I would say like, well, odds makers, we were talking about Pakoda, which, uh, you know, this is an algorithm. So this is essentially like a computer right. basing all of their predictions on statistics and probably Absolutely. doing, and you know, empirical studies. So it's taking like years of seasons and then bringing. And they're, and they're also projecting the season, I think about 10,000 times. And mm -hmm. so they just do it the, the average yeah. or the median. So, I mean, the dummies. Whereas Vegas bookmakers are taking into consideration Reality. more of the human the human aspect. So, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of fall between, like, both, like, probably somewhere around, like, 87, maybe 90. Yeah, but, which would be fine. But the reason, but the, the fact that Pakoda said that they were an average team, that's what set off Braves Nation on Twitter, on social media, like I said, on podcasts like ours. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he had to write a long-ass article addressing this. He didn't do this for the Arizona Diamondback um, projections. He didn't do this for the Seattle Mariners projections. He didn't do this for the New York Mets projections. He did this for the Atlanta Braves because that that's how much heat Pakoda was getting. Even on MLB TV, uh, not MLB Network, they were talking about <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It's great. I usually try to steer. I usually, as you can be telling over the past few months, we really don't talk a lot about offseason baseball because it can get boring and you can get a lot of that fluffer type of content in other places. But this was so funny, the heat. And then the act, they, then these people actually had to address all that heat. So cheers to the brave, to Braves nation for, yeah. uh, and, and social media, which pretty much makes that like, happen because you know people probably were going in on this guy's twitter page like. and it's good for them because it drives it drives Analytics, uh, traffic to that <laughs> I, I went i was like who is this fool and i went to go read all the nonsense that they wrote so uh there are there are no dummies either but they're they're also kind of dumb but we have passion everywhere i have passion for the braves people have passion for their hockey team their football team for their kids and they're for religion and in places like spain football Soccer is also a religion, and there's a lot of pissed off people in Spain as well. Well, in Catalonia, let's kind of be specific. In Catalonia, <laughs> yeah, they still uh, have Spanish passports. Yeah, they do, but if you call them Spanish, they might cut you. Um, but yeah, like it, it was interesting because recently, like, was it a couple, like maybe a week ago, the New York Times um, published an article talking about uh, FC Barcelona's uh, economic struggles, which to many people, you might find surprising if you follow uh, football or as we in America call it soccer, um, because even your novice, like, you know, person who probably spends a little bit of time who, you know, watching ESPN or whatever the case may be, they'll know who FC Barcelona is because of previous players like Ronaldinho and then Lionel Messi, who is apart from Cristiano Ronaldo is the best soccer player on the planet, but Barcelona is hitting themselves in some financial trouble. So for one, they've had financial success for quite some time. They were the first team to surpass $1 billion in annual revenue. So let's put this, in, the, let's, let's put this into perspective. So you have teams that their evaluation on paper is over a billion dollars, about five soccer teams that you would probably like. If I don't have the, the numbers in front of me, but I know Barcelona, Real Madrid, uh, Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool. Those those teams, those five teams. Oh, and Bayern Munich. So probably about six teams that what they're worth is over a billion dollars. But annual revenue of FC Barcelona is a billion was hitting a billion dollars. But they have consequence of impulsive management, rash decisions, and improving contracts. And of course, you add in soaring revenues, 
it, it was bad at before. And then 2020 coronavirus hit, it completely changed the math on them. So I have a question. Yeah. When you say that this is the first team in sports history to exceed a billion dollars in revenue, anyway. is that in football or like in sports. also in, like, like sports. they make more money than the New York Yankees or the Dallas yes. Cowboys. Wow. Because you have that, to consider that changes the game. Well, and this is annual revenue. We're not yeah, just talking yeah. about like that because for one, their, their brand is global. So you have the North American market, European market, African market, Asian market. Boom. Uh, they have, for one, their sponsors, you have Rakuten, who is their, their kit sponsors on the top, which is, uh, what is it? I believe they're from based out of China. Uh, and so that's their main. So, of course, they're getting big marketing out there. Nike is also their kit manufacturer. No, yeah, Nike's their kit manufacturer. And then you have all the other, like, sub, like, partnerships that they have. So they're making money. Rakuten is Japanese. Oh, it's Japanese? Japanese. It's yeah. Japanese. Okay. I, I, was, I wasn't sure where it was based out of. All I know is, is that they bought Ebates. So that's why you get money, uh, you know, cash back whenever you buy stuff from them. But anyway, I'm not plugging them right now. But, um, so, but even with all of this money, they've had really, really bad management and they haven't been spending it. So for one, their salary bill is the highest in Europe. <laughs> it's and they've broken debt covenants that they've agreed to with most of their creditors and that's going to mean higher interest costs in the future so their annual salary bill get this 771 million dollars and it eats up 74 but it eats up 74 percent of the club's <laughs> annual income now we're talking about yeah. like okay we they have a lot of like normally Barcelona has a lot of good stars, but still even your top tier clubs don't exceed that much. Usually they don't want to exceed maybe higher than 60% of the club's annual income on player salaries, because that's, that's eating up a lot of money. And in their most recent financial um, reports, they lost 177, no, 170, $717 million dollars. And it's estimated that it already lost up to 246 million as a result of the pandemic. And they suggest that they suggest that the total hit eventually the top $600 million in terms of losses, because for one, you have to keep in mind, they have a stadium, the camp new, which seats like just like over what 90,000 people. So you get that much people, like people travel to Spain just to see them for, for one. Then that cuts into their revenue because in the preseason, they have all of these international tours. They'll travel to Asia, they'll travel to North America, which then gets them more exposure outside of, of Europe. And then that builds more money into their coffers. So they're not getting that. And then their crown jewel, Lionel Messi, his contract that he signed in the fall of 2017 had a signing bonus of $139 million, a loyalty bonus of $93 million, and get this, the total value of this contract, if Messi were to meet every single clause and like um, incentive, would top almost $675 million. So Carlo, that's the same amount of money we had to pay you to get on HBP. So you're worth it, baby. You're worth it. Yeah, <laughs> in another reality maybe, but not this one. But still, it's, it's crazy. But they've been also, like not to mention when it comes to their like transfer strategy, they've been getting pushed to the bank because – 
for one, they've had, like, if you go back to 2017 after um, Neymar was sold to PSG for about 222 million uh, euros, everybody knew that they had that money. And then, you know, that kind of pushed them, you know, it made their opposing, like, teams who wanted to, like, if they were trying to acquire players, like, one example was Usman Dembele, who was a really good youngster from France, played for uh, Borussia Dortmund before. They wanted to get, what, 90 million? What was that? He's lazy. No. <laughs> About, he is. He, yeah, would, he, is. he wouldn't show up to training. He would show up late. It's like, come on, man. This yeah, is he's not... not worth what it was, but you know, initially their valuation was about $90 million for him. And Borussia Dortmund, they just kind of went in with a straw mark tactic. It was like, yo, this is what we're asking. It was about maybe $150 million. And Barcelona coughed out about $130-something million regarding that. And then not to mention the deal that Liverpool was able to stretch him for for Felipe Coutinho, which now we're seeing wasn't necessarily such a good deal because, for one, he was on loan for like two seasons and hasn't been doing much of anything since he's gone there. And uh, like you said, Dembele is lazy. Then you have Antoine Griezmann, who really hasn't been able to fit in. And this season, they're not even playing that well. And, you know, it's possible they might not even qualify for Champions League football, which is going to, again, hit, put them in a financial strength. So it's really uh, – it's, it's a shame because FC Barcelona is one of the top-tier clubs in world football. And, you know, it's also very likely that – and very highly likely that Lionel Messi is going to leave at the end of the season because – he, he's free to negotiate with teams outside of Spain. He hasn't. He said he wants to finish out his contract, but he was trying to, like, he was trying to push to leave last season, but, you know, Barcelona didn't want to let him go. And there's only but so many teams who could actually afford his services. So it kind of put them in a, you know, rock between a rock and a hard place. You know, there's a player who, granted, has been there since he was, like, 13. Yeah. And, uh, but it's like, you know what? I want to take my talent somewhere else. And, you know, he's maybe got... he won't, maybe, maybe he wants to take his talents to South Beach at, uh, Inter Miami. Yeah. I'm joking. That's a terrible but, name. <laughs> no, it is. But, DiCarlo, this is what happens when you let emotions guide your business sense. And we're not, we can't, de- de- we're not going to devote three podcasts into the, to the financial issues of FC Barcelona, but Leon, Leonel Messi, is worth every single penny that he, every single euro that he gets paid. But last year, Barcelona and Lionel Messi had a pathway to having a, a divorce. All divorces are messy, are hurtful, are emotional, but it was the right thing to do. Lionel Messi wanted to leave and go play in Manchester. And for the for Manchester City, one of the basically two or three clubs that could actually afford him and and reunite with his old coach, old manager, uh, Pep Guardiola, one of the greatest managers in the history of uh, soccer, football. Barcelona said, no, you can't leave this, that and the other. And Messi was like, oh, I've been with you for 20 years. It'd be so hard to break up. B.S. Look, in the cold heart of business. Barcelona would have saved them, would have gained a hundred million, hundred million euros in their pocket by selling Messi's contract to Manchester City. And that means Barcelona wouldn't have had to pay the, I think Messi, Messi gets paid around $150 million a year. And so you're looking at a quarter of a billion dollars only because the president of Barcelona at the time didn't want to end up with the egg on his face. He's like, oh, he didn't want his epitaph to read. 
this is the man that sold Lionel Barcelona, the greatest player in Barcelona history, probably the greatest player of all time. People, don't let your emotions run your baseball, your baseball, your business decisions. Uh, Messi should have left last year. He should have said, I'm not playing for you. He should have sat out like a lot of North American sports stars do. But he, you know, he wouldn't do that. Messi. But he should have because he let his emotions into the, the, the Yeah, into but the Messi, for one, you, you got to also remember, Barcelona was a team, like, if you if people who know the story really on Messi, he had, like, a, a degenerative, like, heart condition. And Barcelona. No, it was, I think it was, it was, uh, it wasn't heart. It, it was, was uh, and uh, I think that wasn't pituitary gland. It was. I forget, but it wasn't. Uh, it was. It was him. It was a growth hormone that he needed. Yeah, uh, constant shots. Uh huh. And Barcelona, because what was it? Boca Juniors. What was it? Or was uh, his. Um, I think it was it Estudiantes or River. Or it might, I think it was River. some club in in Argentina where he's from. Wouldn't pay it. Wouldn't pay the the like he had to monthly get these shots. They wouldn't pay it. Barcelona said we'll pay it. Mm-hmm. But and it's a loyalty. I mean, he's been there since he was a kid. And I but mean, I, at the no end, no longer a kid. Like Britney Spears, no longer a girl. Or what is that? <laughs> What's that song? No longer a girl, now a woman, or whatever it is. I you don't, don't remember no, that I song? Don't, I don't. I can't really. You don't I don't listen to Britney Spears. I, I mean, don't listen to Britney Spears either. But it was a famous song. Like, no, I'm no not not yet. A, no longer a girl, not yet a woman. I know our female listeners is, are, are going to know that one. But he's no longer that 13-year-old kid that needed those fourth hormone shot shots. He's a grown-ass man. He has, what, two or three kids? He should have left. He should be playing for Manchester City. And he and if, imagine Manchester City, the club they have this season, with Messi. I mean, they, they, they guarantee, been, it, guarantee they win the Champions League. Guarantee. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, for one, they Highly probable. Europe. Highly but, probable. But, I don't know, Manchester City, when I think about – I'm digressing, but when I watch them play, like they play very, they're, they're, they're precise. They're exciting. Like they're able to take, like, it's not surprising. They're able to sit back and and coast with the Premier league this year, especially when there's like no fans, which makes like that neutralizes teams like Liverpool who, you know, pretty much rely as, as their fans as a 12th man. So, but anyway, not digressing, but yes, I, I will agree that if Lionel Messi, wasn't Manchester City, they probably would be competing more for, like, Champions League trophy and also taking the Premier League alongside with them. But, well, they're, you know. They're going to win the Premier League. Oh, Manchester hands down. They're going to win the Premier League. Oh, hands the hands Premier League. They are probably going to win the Carling Cup uh, in a few weeks. They're still in the FA Cup, and they're still in the, the Champions League. But and they have the Anyway, we're talking, we're talking about Barcelona and Messi. And now – like I said earlier, that Barcelona could have had $100 million for selling the contract in their pocket and then not having to pay that massive contract to Messi. But now it's going to get even worse because, to Carlo, you know Messi's going to leave and he's going to leave for free. Free, free, free. That means Barcelona is not going to get one red euro Coin, not no, no pence. What do they call the the, the the cents in euro? I don't even know the British pence. one. The, they're cents. No, no, no. The you Brits the, use like, pence. The coins. No, they're cents in euro. Oh, okay. They're cents. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so, in, in, I never yeah, lived in Europe. Pound sterling, it's the pence, but yeah, in euros, yeah. it's euro cents. It's cents. So, anyways, Barcelona just screwed themselves over again because they let their emotions blind them. Yeah. Well, they also. I think they were also thinking commercially speaking because if you let Messi go who who are you going to put the the reins of the club on it's not like they have Neymar to kind of fall back on 
You know what I mean? Like when Ronaldinho left, you had Messi. Yeah. And you you don't have anybody. When who when Messi leaves, who who are you gonna throw it's, the club it's on? Gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna take a couple of seasons because they had Rivaldo for the longest time and then they didn't have anyone for mm. two or three years. And then Ronaldinho came and then they just happened to have this absolute genius of a football player called Lionel Messi waiting in the wings. Yeah. But speaking of wings. And Barcelona is not flying high, but I'll tell you, you can fly high with our show sponsor, Florida Airlines, the Florida Connection. Vaccinations are here, and the spring weather is just around the corner. It's time to plan our trips. This is an exciting time. You can go to Florida to watch spring training. I know I want to go watch the Braves spring training. You can go to the beautiful beaches in St. Pete, Florida, eat delicious Latin food in Miami, or watch the space rockets launch from Cape Canaveral. Call up your travel agent today and book a trip with Florida Airlines, your Florida connection. Yeah. You know who else has a good connection? Who that is? Hova. Who? Hova. Say it again. Hova. Exactly. So for one, we haven't spoken about this in a long time because nobody with our fancy in a while. But yeah, Jay Z, we definitely want to have his baby this time because for one, I don't know if you guys have not heard, Jay Z uh, recently made a deal with LVMH, which is the parent company of Louis Vuitton, Moe, Hennessy, exclusive high end brands, like billion dollar company, and he sold half a stake in the champagne brand that he owns, Armand de Brion, which is also known as Ace of Spades. So those who you know, might go to some, some gentlemen clubs or some other places and go to the VIP, Ace of Spades is a bottle of champagne that people tend to drink. It got a lot more popularity after Jay-Z bought it back in um, 2014. And it's funny because this move by Jay-Z when he initially bought the company, was almost a, pretty much a, an FU to a previous champagne company that was relatively associated with hip hop for quite a while, Cristal. So for those who don't know, back in 2006, um, Cristal, like Jay-Z, he decided he was gonna boycott Cristal because of some comments that the CEO, well, the managing director of the parent company that um, owns Cristal made regarding hip hop artists, um, you know, really, utilizing and consuming the champagne and so jay-z knowing the market like the buying dollar of it within the african-american community especially with hip-hop culture knowing that these are millionaires and jay-z and his wife collectively are billionaires he's like you know what i'm not going to sit back and consume your stuff i'm not going to promote i'm not going to give you free promotion when you were going to essentially degrade me and my community's you know consumption of your product and so he's like, we're just going to do our own. So he bought this brand in 2014, flipped it, and now sold half a stake to LVMH. And it's, it's great. Even though the financial terms haven't been released, it's still a big, big win for Jay-Z and also the market brand of that to be able to bring that parent company who has such a global reach to this brand so definitely a very astute business move by Jay-Z, which he's been making very good moves business-wise for quite some time now. I mean, for one, you know, whether or not you like it or not, he, he owns Tidal, which is the streaming service, which it competes with Spotify and Apple Music. Within probably, you have Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, 
title is probably like the fourth, but he has that. He has a stake in Oak, Oatly, which is the oat milk um, company, which recently had a Super Bowl uh, ad out this past Super Bowl. And, um, you know, he's just – and then also Rock Nation. Let's not forget about the company, which has Rock Nation Sports. Which, clothing line? Well, no, his, uh, the record company and sports agency. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so you have Rock Nation, which is a whole collective group. So you have Rock Nation Music, which runs the music um, side of the business. Then you have uh, the, the sports agent, like Rock Nation Sports, which represents players in all of the major sports right now. So Jay-Z definitely, and whenever he wants to pop in and do music, he does it. So credit to them, definitely, you know, big moves, you know, and uh, credit to both of them because L- LVMH knows how to make good deals. They don't invest in anything that isn't going to be, you know, high end and, doesn't make money so definitely a very very astute move on that part yeah cheers even though i'm drinking beer if i uh, i love i love bubbly i love champagne i love a prosecco i love cava but cheers to jay-z and again we don't know the financial terms but considering the fact that i think well i think it was last year that they sold they meaning his ace of spades champagne sold a half a million bottles and those bo- bottles of ace of spades are what like two hundred dollars yeah, and the carlo you don't have to be at a an american gentleman's club to to uh to enjoy <laughs> to enjoy ace of spades versus a british gentleman's club is something completely different it's just literally where men go and hang out and drink, drink and smoke sure. cigars yeah but the american gentleman's club are more of the rated you know uh nc-17 uh, well, we might have young I, ladies who are, you know, paying off their yeah, yeah, or you know, work, working their way through school, but anyways. or even just VIP club spots because honestly, yeah. like, and then like, let's not even talk about how much those prices are inflated when you're in a club. Like, oh, if you God, just yeah. go to a liquor store, you're paying a lot of money for that. Yeah, but the, when you buy these, when you potentially buy Ace of Spades at a club, you're you're paying they the club already bought it wholesale and so any if they charge three times what they paid it, that's not that money's not going to jay-z but regardless it's this is a really good business term that no emotion they saw lvmh said this is a top quality brand elite brand which is what we are in the business of and we can buy in to the jay-z beyonce ecosphere because you know Jay-Z can still make videos, he can go on stage, he can be anywhere with the Ace of Spades. That's quote-unquote free promotion because it's still money in his pocket. He still owns half of it. I'm sure he got, I'm sure that company is probably worth and valued in the low hundred millions. Because not just the sales, but because of who he is. And he, uh, DiCarlo just mentioned, he, he also has a Oatly, which is that plant-based milk company. He's, he was he was a celebrity. He is a celebrity investor with uh, along with people like uh, Natalie Portman, Howard Schultz, the CEO, the former CEO of Howard of uh, Starbucks, also owns and, part part of Oatly and attempted to run for president back in twenty twelve. Oh, he did. Yeah. yeah so, but it, but but he said that's too much. There's too much problems. It's a lot easier to just be a successful entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, and I try to run the United States. <laughs> yeah, and oh, I mean. This is all really 
great things that uh, JC is doing for himself and also, um, you know, for the African-American community. Not that he has to be giving all his money away to any particular people, but it's just like, wow, if this guy's doing it, what's stopping me from doing it? I'm, I'm, well, what's stopping you is potentially the fact that you're not inc- an incredible. <laughs> well, you know what? It, well, it's, it's also, it's, well, it's, it's not only that, like he used that talent along with the investments that he initially procured through drug trafficking in order to really... Allegedly. No, it's not allegedly. He admits it. I'm joking. (laughs) But he used that as an out, which was smart because, you know, this is also something just to kind of like, sorry, I'm going to digress a little bit, but taking into consideration how many like individuals who had capitalistic business sense or who do within many inner city communities, but don't have, say, generational wealth and access to capital to really allow them to, you know, make a break into a business like this. Because for one, if you, if Jay-Z was born Sean Carter in Greenwich, Connecticut, people would, he would have already been an upstart way, way past because his, like, his business acuity is really high and off the charts. Like, this guy came from Marcy Projects, Brooklyn, and, like, sold drugs and even through that was able along with dame dash and kareem biggs to get themselves a distribution deal so they still had their own record company but they were just being distributed by a larger entity at def jam at that point so and then all of the business moves he's made from having a small ownership stake in the brooklyn nets to be able to then flip that so you know to make money off of that like the guy you got to give him credit, man. I mean, regardless of whatever, I mean, granted, there's been some decisions that he's made, especially, you know, and has gotten criticized for, especially the partnership deal that he did with the NFL in terms of, say, like the, what are it, the halftime shows and all of the entertainment. Uh, a lot of people thought that that was him throwing Colin Kaepernick under the bus. But also people said like that, him creating that opportunity also allowed for, you know, because there was a short time, what was it, back in 2018, maybe, no, 2019, where they did have Colin Kaepernick doing tryouts again, and people said, well, that was Jay-Z who was pretty much doing that, but regardless, whatever the case may be, the NFL is not going to, you know, allow Colin Kaepernick to go back into the league, but that move alone, people suggested, like, oh, come on, Jay, like, you were talking about Kaepernick and being all for him, and then you make a business deal, but a lot of the time, whatever the case may be, maybe that was something that he should be criticized for. Then again, we don't know what's actually happening behind the scenes. And I'll say this much, just to kind of finish off, when it comes to Jay-Z and Beyonce with the deals that they do, they do try to at least give it back to the community. So, you know, whatever it's worth, not everybody's going to be happy with the type of moves that you make, especially when it comes to business. If you tried to please everybody, you'd be a poor man. So shout out to him. Yeah, and and hopefully we get invited at some point when our <laughs> podcast continues to keep growing. We get invited to the Rock Nation brunch because honestly, that is one of my life's goals is to be at that brunch because that is like dope. So where 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 do they hold the Rock Nation brunch? Well, it varies. Sometimes they have it in Manhattan. Sometimes they'll have it down in Florida. Sometimes they have it in California. It's it's one of those like you know you need to know like you get those secret invite type of things. It's almost like mm-hmm. in the same vein as the Clive Clive Davis Grammy parties. So, you know, if, if you're anybody in business, music, uh, sports, you get that invite, you show up there, you get your obligatory picture with Jay-Z, you're good to go. So, so as, as some of our longtime listeners will notice, we've, we've bled in together the I want to have your baby segment. 
with the grow beard and go into hiding, AKA the Federal Witness Protection Program. And that was, uh, DiCarlo's nomination was uh, Frédéric Rosa, which is the man who made uh, derogatory remarks on uh, hip hop artists in, in particular and the African-American community in general. Yes. Um, and like I, like, DiCarlo also mentioned this, I also kind of, Jay-Z is an incredibly talented man, but I also, I kind of feel like I want to send him off maybe for a day or two into hiding, Jay-Z into hiding with uh, Frédéric. Why? Why would I say something as crazy as this? Because I'm one of the people who thinks that Jay-Z threw Colin Kaepernick under the bus. Colin Kaepernick, for those of you who don't know, he was a... We don't even know. I think he's a biracial, potentially a biracial. No, he's biracial. He's biracial. Yeah. His dad was, he was black, adop- mother's white. But he he's was adopted. adopted by a white family in uh, Mil- Nevada. Minnesota, Nevada. And he was a quarterback. He led the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl about 10 years ago. He was successful. And uh, he was the one who started the whole kneeling, which now you see in almost every sport. Now you even see it in European soccer, the kneeling during – the beginning of a, of, a, of a game. And it's not, again, it's not, that kneeling part is not disrespecting any particular country or any particular flag. It's just bringing a, a peaceful awareness to the uh, very, in the, the, I mean, the injustice unimaginable justice. Brutality and not just police brutality, but it's yeah. just the, it, the, it's just all, everything that has gone wrong over the past three Well, you know, years. initially when he first came out back in 2016, when he did it, um, he said it's to bring awareness to, um, well, it was racial, you know, awareness to the suffering right. of black Americans, especially at the hands of police. And of course you had Fox, you know, much on the right, including former president Trump who politicized that. And of course used that as, Oh, they're disrespecting the flag. No disrespecting the flag would be burning. It would be defecating it on it. It's I'm taking a knee, which I mean, it is, this is a country of free expression, but yet they were willing to cancel him. And, you know, they're, they're all about, you know, this problem with cancel culture, but it, it was really, it, it was sad, but I'm sorry. I, I know you wanted to continue to talk about Jay-Z and how he threw. No, it's good. It, you, you, we, it's good. We gotta, we gotta get all this thing, all these things out. So the reason I'm partially nominating Jay-Z to go away for maybe a day or two is because DiCarlo mentioned he's now Jay-Z is, I don't, I don't want to, Maybe he's in charge, for lack of a better word, of doing the halftime performances for the Super Bowl. He's not doing the performances, but he nominates people. And during that, during this announcement that the NFL was having a business relationship with uh, Rock Nation, they asked him about, they asked Jay-Z, oh, so what about Colin Kaepernick? He was, he was basically shunted out of the league and no owner, which are billionaires from a certain generation a certain political way of thinking they wanted nothing to do with Colin Kaepernick and allegedly they and to this day he has not had a job with the NFL so the, the reporters asked him that's great what about Colin Kaepernick and he and Jay-Z this is in I think this was in December or October of 2019 this is pre-COVID pre all the horrendous things that happened over the summer in 2020 and obviously talking he said quote I think we passed kneeling I think it's time to go into actionable items, end quote. He just threw Colin Kaepernick under the bus, like, ah, whatever. It it was a cute little thing, but I'm going to tell you why. And this is my speculation. 
Jay-Z's ultimate goal to Carlo. All this money he's getting from LVMH, all the money he's getting from all his, uh, from Oatly, this, that, and the other, touring with Beyonce, his ultimate goal in this decade of the 2020s is to become an NFL owner. And you cannot piss off these old white men who are from a completely different generation and political thinking of him. He'll throw anyone and anything under the bus to become yeah. an NFL well, owner. Well, you know what? It, it's it's something like, I, I don't disagree with you on that. It was interesting. Uh, Damon Dash, who was one of the co-founders of Rockefeller Records with Jay-Z, he actually, you know, he really doesn't talk much about Jay-Z and their, their previous relationship. But the moments he did, like when they, he was on, I believe, The Breakfast Club, um, when, and they asked him about this because it was around the same time when this deal um, went public. And he's like, no, I'm not surprised. This is Jay. Jay is all about money. He will do anything for money. That's just his personality. And that's all I have to say about that. It's, and, and that goes back to Jay-Z becoming president of Def Jam and essentially like casting away Rockefeller Records itself. And, you know, that was the moment that I think Dame Dash thought to himself, was like, oh, okay, this is what it is. Like, you know, it's all about the money and he'll make deals with vul- culture vultures and individuals who don't really have the best interests at heart. Yep. But at the same time, just to play devil's advocate, that could be the case, but it all could be the case that you really, you can only beat people at their own game and you have to play the game. And, you know, the only time I, I was interested, I had this, I said this to my sister once, I was like, you know, young people, a lot of people don't really realize that you can't really be idealistic unless you're your own boss or broke. And at the end of the day, <laughs> no, I mean, like, That's seriously, That's seriously, because young people, you could be idealistic, but you don't have a boss, you know, or a, a career or a family and a lot of these other things that you have to take into consideration because we all want to be idealistic. We all have ideals. We all have, you know, um, issues that we want to feel are need to be put to the forefront, but and unless you're in a position where you could really implement that, then you, you really can't do much. But, and in order to get into that position, in order to become, say, like the first black owner of an NFL team, you're going to have to sit back and eat a lot of doo-doo in order to get there. And especially with, with an old boys club like the NFL, who the only ethnic uh, owner is uh, Saheed Khan of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a hard bargain, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't sit back and say, I don't disagree with the, you know, that he could also grow a beard and grow into hiding. He won't grow a beard. Cause you know, as, 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 as Nas <laughs> said in ether, he's like, you got whiskers and you know, like you can't grow. A beard. So, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get him one of those old seventies, funny glasses with uh, the mustache. Oh, but anyway, I, before, before we'll, we we'll send him to detention. No, but before we go, I, I do want to at least kind of reference, like, because we, we briefly said Frederick Rosad, who was the managing direct, director of Louis Rodea, the parent company of Cristal, but the comment that he made. So sometimes in order to really identify, listener, if, if you don't know, like, racism and discrimination has many different veils. A lot of the time people would assume that being, you know, making racist comments has to really be inflammatory and outright degrading. And a lot of the time it's very like subliminal and very subtle. And, you know, the comments that he made were very in the subtle, uh, in the subtle vein. So when he was asked about, 
you know, his brand's association with hip hop music. He stated he viewed it with curiosity and uh, serenity and asked if he thought the association would harm the brand. He replied, quote, that's a good question. But what can we do? We can't forbid people from buying it. But I'm sure Dom Perignon and Krug would be delighted to have their business. So that's essentially saying, well, you know, we'll take their money, but we really don't want them using it. And that was the essential, like, smack in the face. Because for one, you got to remember, hip-hop artists, athletes, young African entrepreneur, African-American entrepreneurs, people who have money, that dollar has buying power and it has power. So I think it was very smart and astute for Jay-Z to sit back and say, eh, I'm not drinking this anymore. I'm going to invest in my own champagne and I'm going to make money from it. So that's why Frederick Grizzard is getting that beard and growing into hiding because for one, he woke up a giant in this case and now Jay-Z is walking away uh, a brand stronger again. And uh, Richard, so again, I'm still sending, I'm not going to send Jay-Z into hiding. I'm going to send him into detention because because uh, of the whole Colin Kaepernick and, uh, you know, sacrificing anyone and anything to become an NFL owner. But nevertheless, cheers to Jay-Z, the ace of this podcast for, for today. And Carlo, if Jay-Z wants to sponsor this podcast, we love Florida Airlines, by the way, but if Jay-Z wants Ace of Spades to be the official drink of HBP, I'm all for that, baby. Or if Rakuten also wants to sponsor us, I'm for that too. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll definitely like that. That would be nice. But... So, again, Jay-Z has made a boatload of money. He's continued to make more money. And he's all about money. But you know who's not about money? And who's about love? Our pets. Our pets love us. We love our pets. Tweet us a picture of your pet listening to the podcast, flying around, walking, sleeping, eating, showing you love. We'll be happy to retweet it. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. Remember to use the hashtag HBPets, H-B-P-E-T-S. And that's a wrap, everybody. We want to thank you for listening. And for those who haven't, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate, and please give us a review. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And I think maybe after this, we should put ourselves on titles so that maybe we can get that <laughs> um, potential, uh, what is it, indoor, like, you know. Sponsorship. Yeah, exactly. So follow us on Twitter at HBP4040, and our drinks will be in the show notes. Make sure you join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP. Podcast.